struggles and miracles. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right, so before we get on that journey, though, we're going to do a little intro. Well, maybe more than just a little intro. We're going to do an intro. All right. All right, before we start this, this new journey, you know, there's a few things to consider. And one of the main ones is the right perspective. Because the right perspective makes possible, make the impossible possible. If you have the right perspective, you will be able to see things that was impossible for you to see otherwise. Because your perspective is kind of like the lenses that you wear over your eyes. And so if you go into something with the wrong perspective, you're liable to miss a whole lot. And vice versa, if you go in with the right perspective, you're liable to see a whole lot that you wouldn't have. And so this is why you know, the perspective is important. And so, you know, I want to, this intro is all about the perspective that we're going to be going through the book of Joshua. Now, how many have heard that Joshua is a type of Messiah? But is Joshua actually a type of Messiah? He surely has the name of the Messiah. You know, but is his story? Does it details the life of the Messiah? Was it a prefiguring of the life of the Messiah? Did he live the life of Yahshua? Now, the answer is actually yes and no. And even though that may sound like an oxymoron, you know, like it, like both answers can't be true. In fact, they can be and they are. You know, it's just a matter of, yeah, you probably already know what I'm going to say, perspective, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a matter of perspective. And so, you know, I pray that by the time we get to the end of this intro, you'll be able to see how the answer is yes and no. I'm here to today to show you how the story of Joshua is a story about the body of Messiah. So no, I said the body of Messiah and not the Messiah in and of himself. You know, when you think about Yahshua, 
and you think about us, you know, Yahshua is where? He's seated somewhere. Where is he seated? At the right hand of the Father. Where are we? Here on earth. But yet, we are called the body of Messiah, are we not? And this is the perspective that the story of Joshua is showing. Bear with me. Can you see it? What do you see? Frog. Frog. About to eat some ants, right? See, some people when they first looked at it, they couldn't see that frog. Some people could. What about Brother Josh here? <laughs> I had to mess with you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's two people. Exactly, it's two people. You know, yes. Sister Naomi is standing in front of him with a wig on. You know, and he actually has his thumb in in her belt. You know, but if you look at it in one way, he's standing there with his thumb in his own belt, right? Yeah. You know, with a super overgrown beard and mustache. You know, but that's <laughs> that's the uh, you know the power of perspective. You know, you can be looking right at something and not see it. And so this is why I'm trying to you know show a different perspective. Because, you know, everyone, you know, just assumes that the story of Joshua is a story about uh, a type and shadow of Yahshua. But that's not so. It really isn't. You know, so I'm going to share some light on it today, if you don't mind. You know, so in order to see what I'm talking about, you have to first consider the setting. Now, the setting of a story speaks to the time and place where the story occurs, okay? You know, and so, that in mind, I want you to think about the story of Joshua. Because the story of Joshua commences with the death of Moshe. Right? All right, so, now, Yahshua was and is the prophet like unto Moshe. Mm -hmm. Now we know Moshe was a type of the Messiah through and through. Yes. You know, Moshe's life prefigured Yahshua's in, in grand fashion. Yes. Grand fashion, you know, it's just in, in, in a multitude of details. You know, if uh, you're not sure about that, check out the series uh, we have online called The Prophet Like Unto Moshe. You know, but yes, it, in many, many, many ways, you know, yeah, uh, Moses' life prefigured the life of Yahshua. 
You know, now, that being the case, in the story of Joshua is, in fact, a story about Yahshua. Then Moses, he comes right on the heels of Moses dying, which is a type of Yahshua. So can't you see they both can't be? A type of Yashu. You know, because when Joshua starts, Moshe just died. And if Moshe just died, him being a type of Yahshua, Yahshua just died. You know, the death of Moshe, like the death of Messiah, are dramatic moments in, um, in the biblical narrative where the past, present, and future of Elohim's people converge. You know, I want to present to you a narrative that Yah's word isn't just arbitrarily thrown together. It's not just a hodgepodge of, of different historical events that, that has transpired, you know, but it is very intentional. You know, it is put in the order that it is. It's, it occurred in the order that it did so that we might be able to see the plot, plan, and purpose of the Most High El. Nevertheless, most people, when they read it, they just read it as a bunch of arbitrary stories, not seeing where they connect or the common theme that is presented throughout them. You know, and that's something that we must stop doing if we're to understand Scripture, you know, more better. You know, so here it is. Moshe just died. So Yahshua just died. And the next thing that comes about is the story of Joshua. You know. So I'm praying that you're starting to see at least the possibility of the story of Joshua not speaking to the life of Yahshua, but rather the body of Yahshua. I.e., those of us, or those of them, I should say, that came after Yahshua, that was that went on living after Yahshua died. Follow me? Alright. Um, I'm going to give a few examples of what I'm saying. You know, so Numbers 13, 1 through 3 says, And Yahuwah spake unto Moshe, saying, Send out men that they may search the land, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moshe, by the commandment of Yahuwah, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Now, how many, um, how many tribes of Israel was it? Twelve. All right. So we're talking about twelve men of the twelve tribes of Israel, and all those men were heads or leaders of Israel. Amen. Everybody with me? All right. You know now, Numbers thirteen four through fifteen goes on to enumerate and give the names of those twelve men. Let me have my first reader read Numbers 13, 4 through 15, please. 
And these were their names of the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zakur, the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Horai, the tribe of, the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of the tribe of Issachar, Ilgal, the son of Joseph, of the tribe of, 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 the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun, of the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu, of the tribe of, of, the, tribe of the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodai, of the tribe of Joseph, namely of the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi, Susai, of the, of the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of uh, Gamali, of the tribe of Asher, Suther, the son of Michael, of the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Bosai, of the tribe of Gad, Guel, the son of Maki. Hallelujah. Thank you. All right, so I want you to um, focus in on verse 8 of the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun. Now, some of you may not recognize that name, but that is actually the original name of Joshua. You know, um, when we look at Numbers 13, 16, it tells us these are the names of the men which Moshe sent to spy out the land. And Moshe called Oshea, the son of Nun, Yahushua. You know, so you see, Moshe changed the name of one of the 12 spies that he was sent into the land. Now remember, the land of Canaan is a type of what? Kingdom of Elohim, kingdom of heaven. Amen? Okay, now, that's important to know. Now, Moshe, whose name means drawn out, because he literally drew Israel out of the Reed Sea, right? You know, now, he calls Hosea, the son of Nun, Yahushua. And Hosea means deliverer, and Yahushua, of course, means Yahuwah's um, saves, Yahuwah saves, or Yahuwah's savior, you know. Now, consider in the Brick Kadashah, the New Testament scriptures, you know, Yahshua, who was a type under Moshe, I'm, I'm sorry, um, Yahshua, who Moshe, uh, Yahshua was the prophet like under Moshe, I meant to say, you know, consider what he, how he does likewise. In verses 10, 1 through 6, it says, And when he had called unto his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits, to cast them out, and heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. Now you see how he's doing in like fashion, even naming the names, the texts, paralleling what we see here in Numbers 13. The first, um, Simon, <clears throat> excuse me, who is called Peter, and Andrew is brother James. And Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Yahudas or Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, these twelve Yahushua sent for, and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now I want you to uh, uh, 
you know, I pray that this is in your memory bank. But I want you to remember the time when Yahshua said, you know, he asked, asked his disciples a question. He says, who do they say I am? And Kephas said, you know, you are the Mashiach, the son of the living now. And Messiah said, you know, it was not uh, flesh and blood that revealed this unto you. And he goes on to say, thou, thou name shall uh, not be Simon, thou shalt be called Peter. You know, and Simon means hearing, but Peter means rock. You know, and in like fashion, Yahshua being the prophet like unto Moshe, in like fashion to Moshe, he sends out 12 just like Moshe sent out 12. He renamed one of them even as Moshe renamed one of them. Now, he renamed, Moshe um, renamed one of them actually Yahushua, right? But what did Yahushua rename his? When you consider 1 Corinthians 10, 4, you can see you can see the story behind the story. It says, for they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Mashiach. He called him Peter because he was a type of rock, a type of Yahushua, a type of Joshua, if you would. You know, and even as Moshe would name Joshua the same name as our Savior. Our Savior would name the head of his ecclesia the same symbolism as himself. Can you see that? You know, now, even as the 12 that were sent into the land of Canaan were all heads, so were the apostles also leaders. They would go on the uh, form, the ecclesia of the church, and they would grow into with this huge organization, um, this nation, if you would, you know, and they would be the leaders of them. Now, just to show you the um continue on with this theme in Ephesians 4. Let me have my next week read Ephesians 4, 10 through 13. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the testimony, uh, for, for the work of the ministry the edifying of the body of Messiah till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Elohim unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Messiah hallelujah you know and I would have you know that the apostles filled all of these offices you know the first 12 apostles filled all of these offices you know but I'll I wouldn't have you be ignorant as most people because most people think, you know, that all the apostles were the same. You know, they were not. There was a leader of the leaders, if you would. You know, and Kephas was that leader of the leaders. Now, 
We also see in scripture where you know some of the uh, apostles would go and evangelize to, to people and they would try to have the Ruach Desh or the Holy Spirit come upon them, but they couldn't. And so they would have to call for Peter. They would have to call for Peter and John or Peter, John, and James, you know, who were known as the pillars of the faith. You know, showing again that they all weren't the same. You know, and so even as Apostle Paul is teaching us in Ephesians 4, they all the offices aren't the same. We have a second witness to this in 1 Corinthians 12, 27-31. It says, Now ye are the body of Messiah, and members in particular, and Elohim have set in the church. It's, in your King James it says, set some in the church, but that some was a bad translation. You know, it literally speaks to him setting um, in the church first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governance, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. You know, I want you to see that those apostles did become the leaders. They became the leaders of the faith of Yahshua. You know, they were the leaders of the covenant, covenanted body of Yahshua. Even as Moshe was the leader of the covenanted um, body of Israel at that time, right? You know, so I pray that you can see that truly Yahshua was the prophet like unto Moshe. And once you grasp that concept, it's not, it's not hard to see that Joshua couldn't be another type of the life of Yahshua. Because one of the first thing he does, things he does is cross the Jordan. He leads Israel um, across the Jordan. Moshe, he didn't do that. You know, um, but Yahshua's disciples did. Yahshua didn't. And it's a little tricky to see, but I'm, I'm going to try to show you. You know, well, a little bit, because this is Joshua 3, so I don't want to get ahead of the game. You know, but suffice it to say, that Joshua brought Israel through the Jordan. And the apostles also brought Israel through the Jordan in the form of baptism. You know. And that's all I'm going to say on that because we're going to get to Joshua chapter 3 soon enough, right? You know. Now also, but another witness is the Holy, they're both, they both were Holy Spirit powered. Joshua was Holy Spirit powered. 
and the apostles were a Holy Spirit power. Consider Numbers 27, 18 through 23. My next reader, please. And Yahuwah said unto Moshe, take, take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before Yahuwah. At his word, at his word shall they go out, and at his word they shall come in both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moshe did as Yahuwah commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. And he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as Yahuwah commanded by the hand of Moshe. Hallelujah. All right, so... We seen in verse 18, it said, Take ye Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit. Which spirit? He had the spirit. But it don't tell us what spirit it was, does it? You know? And he says, And set him before Eleazar, the priest, and before all the congregation. You know? Now, what you have here is, in fact, a picture of what would amount to in the Brick Out of Shower, the New Testament writings, as the apostles and the, and the, uh, the priesthood. You know, and, <clears throat> and then it says, it said, and he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before Yahuwah. And verse 22 said, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. You know, now, and he laid hands upon him and gave him a charge as Yahuwah commanded. Now, uh, I don't know if I want to go there. Um, All right, consider also Deuteronomy 34, 9 and 10. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moshe had laid his hands upon him. Now, whatever spirit Joshua had at first, we don't know. But we know that after Moshe laid his hands upon him, he was full of the spirit of wisdom. You know, it says, For Moshe laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, as did and did as Yahuwah commanded Moshe, and there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moshe, whom Yahuwah knew face to face. Now, question. Why do you think scripture tells us 
this at this particular time? Why do you think scripture tells us that there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses? Why do you think it's telling us this at this particular time? Say again. Exactly. It is there so that we don't get confused into thinking Joshua was the prophet like under Moshe. This is exactly why it tells us this at this precise time. It speaks of Joshua the son of Nun being full of the spirit of wisdom because Moshe laid his hands upon him. But even though he was full of the spirit of wisdom, of the same spirit that Moshe had, he was not a prophet like under Moshe. And it's letting us know that for a certainty by telling us in the very next verse, and there arose not a prophet since in Israel like under Moshe. That is until Yahushua came. You know, so again, you know, you have to be able to see these things. Now, a quick side note, if you will. Yeah, it's truly a side note. <laughs> Quick, just stop clicking. Oh, okay. All right. Let's take a look at Numbers 14, 23, and 24. It says, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. This is Yahuwah speaking, and he's speaking after Israel had rebelled had rebelled against uh, against them. You know, verse 24, you know, and he, well, this is at, after the proclamation that he had made that, you know, none of y'all are going to go into the land that I, that I, um, that I swore to, swore to, none of you, you know. Then he says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and have fo followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now, we know that Joshua, that he went in, and Caleb, he's the other one that went in. These are the only two out of 600,000 plus women and children that came out of Egypt. These are the only two that went into the land of Canaan. And it says, that Caleb, because he had another spirit, which spirit did he have? It doesn't tell us, does it? You know, and if it doesn't tell us, we probably shouldn't assume we know. Now remember, this is my side note. Yeah, I'm about to get on my soapbox. Now, because Considering, and the reason I say that, you know, is because, you know, so many people, every time they see spirit and it's good, they assume it's the Holy Spirit, you know, and when people say that to me, I always say, which one? Because when we consider Isaiah 11, 2 here, it says, the spirit of Yahuwah shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom 
and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of Yahuwah. This is seven spirits that's just been mentioned. Which one of them is not holy? Which one of them would you dare say is not holy? What about Isaiah 57, 15? It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabit of eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Would you dare say this spirit of humility is not holy? What about Zechariah 12.10? says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourner for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Would one dare say that the spirit of grace or the spirit of supplications aren't holy spirits? What about Romans 1.4? It says, And declared to be the son of Elohim with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Would anyone dare say the spirit of holiness not holy? See, I'm trying to drive this point home. Because when we read about the Holy Spirit that everyone knows and loves, the Holy Spirit that Yahshua sent to the world, we're talking about the Comforter, which is spoken of here in Yochanan 14, 15 through 17. It says, if you love me, you will keep, you will obey my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper or another comforter who will stay with you forever. He is the spirit who reveals the truth or the spirit of truth, you know, as the King James says. You know, the world cannot receive him because it cannot see him. Or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and is in you. You know, and he was, of course, speaking to his disciples, right? Yeah. You know, so you see the Holy Spirit is the comforter. You know, you can look at that, the comforter as his name, you know. And the spirit of truth is the type of spirit he is. You know, he's the comforter, the spirit of truth. Is the spirit of truth the spirit of humility? Is the spirit of truth the spirit of holiness? Is the spirit of truth the spirit of grace? Is the spirit of truth the um, the spirit of Yahuwah? Is it the spirit of truth? Is it the spirit of, of, of wisdom? You know, these are different spirits. You know, I want you to um, know and understand that these are different spirits. You know, also consider Revelations 3, 1. It says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write these things, said he that has the seven spirits of Elohim and the seven stars. Would anyone dare say that these seven spirits of Elohim is not holy? I'm trying to get you, I'm trying to pull I know many people have a problem with this, you know, but this is a very dangerous doctrine. You know, when you think that every spirit is the comforter, every spirit is the spirit of truth, you know, that is a very dangerous doctrine that can get you in a lot of trouble. Consider Yeshayahu 
61.3 and Numbers 5.30 and Isaiah 4.4 and Isaiah 29.10 and Luke 13.11 and Hosea 4.12. Isaiah 61.3 speaks of a spirit of heaviness. Numbers 5.30 speaks of a spirit of jealousy. Isaiah 4.4 speaks of a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning. Isaiah 29.10 speaks of a spirit of deep sleep. Luke 13.11 speaks of a spirit of infirmity. Hosea 4.12 speaks of spirit a spirit of whoredoms. Are all these the same bad spirits? Is there one evil spirit? Or are all these different types of evil spirits? If there are different types of evil spirits, how come there can't be different types of good spirits? Consider 2 Maccabees 3.24. Uh, I'm going to read 3.24 through 30, but in 2 Maccabees 3.24, it speaks of the Adonai of spirits. You know, we see this term a plethora of times in the book of Enoch. Remember? You know, but he's called the Adonai of spirits. Rukot, plural. Because there's many, 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 many different spirits. It says, now as he was there present, himself with his guard about the treasury. And I'm just going to read this because I love the story. You know, um, it says, with his guard about the treasury, the Adonai of spirits and the prince of all power caused a great apparition. So that all that presumed to come in with him were astonished at the power of Elohim and fainted and were so afraid. For there appeared unto them an horse with a terrible rider upon him and adorned with a very fair covering. And he ran fiercely and smote at Heliodorus with his forefeet. And it seemed that he that sat upon the horse had complete harness of gold. Moreover, two other young men appeared before him, notable in strength, excellent in beauty, and comely in apparel, who stood by him on either side and scourged him continually and gave him many sore stripes. And Helodorus fell suddenly unto the ground and was compassed with great darkness. But they that were with him took him and put him into a litter. Thus him that lately came with a great train and with all his guard into the said treasury, they carried out being unable to help himself with his weapons. And manifestly they acknowledged the power of Elohim. For he by the hand of Elohim was cast down and lay speechless without uh, all hope of life. But they praised the Adonai that had miraculously honored his own place for the temple which was little afore was full of fear and trouble when the almighty, almighty Adonai appeared was filled with joy and gladness. Hallelujah. See how y'all took care of his own. He stood in the gap and ran ran the folks that wasn't supposed to be in his temple out himself. Hallelujah. You know, you know, but my main point for coming here was to show you that Yah is the Adonai of spirits. Not of just one spirit. There's, there's not just one Holy Spirit. There's many Holy Spirits. There is one comforter that Yah sent sent unto us, even the spirit of truth. 
you know, and that spirit of truth is important that you understand, you know, that he is the spirit of truth and that he, he is here to comfort us, you know, and that spirit of truth cannot contradict truth. It's important that you understand that that spirit of truth cannot contradict truth. See, and a lot of folks think they had a Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So if you feel with falsehood, you can't be filled with the spirit of truth. You know, and so you have to be able to understand these things and discern these things. What is truth? Yochanan or John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. So if the spirit that dwelleth in you is telling you something that contradicts the word, then you do not have the spirit of truth. And I advise you to adhere to the word instead. This is why we see this admonition in 1 John 4 1. It says, Beloved, or in the King James, but um, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Again, he's acknowledging that there's different spirits. Can you see that? You know, but every time I say this, people look at me like I'm from another planet. There's different spirits. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from Elohim. Now, it didn't say test the spirit. It said test the spirits. To see whether they are from Elohim. So what does that tell us? That tells us that there's more than one type of spirit from Elohim. Yes, there is the Holy Spirit. There is the Comforter. There is the Spirit of Truth. But that is not the only Holy Spirit of Elohim. We just read through a bunch of them. And there's many more that I even put in there. That's found in Scripture. So understand, and this is this is what John is telling us: test the spirits to see whether they are from Elohim, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's all I have for you today. Pray was a blessing. All right. Any questions? He's got the mic. <laughs> um, so if we're supposed to test um, spirits, like how would we do that? Like what would you recommend that we do to test them? Well, scripture, even in John, um, John 4 there, uh, he tells us, a couple different ways. He tells us, you know, uh, first to ask him if Yahshua, you know, came in the flesh, you know, but then he goes on to talk about, you know, how you can tell someone who is of Yah, and that is via love, because Yah is love, and those who are, those spirits who are of him, they will also have love. They will show love. So do I kind of just like, set them up and put them in a predicament to where you know I can see if they show love or not? Uh, you, you can do that or you can just sit back and watch. Let me tell you something. Watch and listen. 
anyone or anything you want to know about, all you have to do is sit back, watch, and listen. Be attentive. If you watch and listen, they will tell you of what spirit they are. We know the measuring stick is the fruit, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, goodness, temperance, faith, you know. Sit back, pull out your measuring stick, and watch and listen. And they will tell you of what spirit they are. 